0: I'm going to... I think it's a big deal. A missions is a big deal. I know we don't always feel like it's a big deal. When I was in college, I used to get really frustrated when a missionary come in to speak at chapel. I know. I'm a horrible, horrible person because I thought, man, they're so boring. Oh, I just wish somebody with more energy would speak. And I know. And I was a missions major. Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, I'm human. All right. Don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. I just had a hard time. I think a lot of people struggle with missions because they don't fully understand what missions is let me illustrate culturally missions is translated in a multiple of different ways all right I hope that made sense let me illustrate there is care-based missions some of you know what that is that's missions that are centered around disaster relief and orphanages I'm just giving examples okay a homeless uh, homelessness and maybe uh, food pantries and things like that and then you have others like um, self. Uh, I, I would call this maybe those that are really talented, skill-based missions. You all know what I'm talking about? Those that are in construction work or education or um, maybe something that's medical, and they go in and they help to assist in, in a need. And then you have biblically-based missions. Is everybody still with me? These are folks that are missionaries that are focused on discipling and teaching and preaching and evangelism. Now, the reality is this. To to be biblically mission-minded. Everything needs to be combined together to point people to Jesus Christ. The ultimate goal of missions is always to point people to Christ. When I say combine them together, that means the care-based missions, the skill-based missions all come together to be biblically based, all right? A good example of that. Uh, We have Spooktacular. Spooktacular is right here in Dublin. Kids get together and they dress up and there's hundreds literally thousands of kids in two days that go to Spooktacular and they get candy. And we had an opportunity to be a part of Spooktacular. But we are not being mission-minded if all we did is give the candy, uh, the candy to the kids and nothing else to the kids. If we're just physically motivated to give kids candy, no, we wanted to take a step further. We wanted to be spiritually and biblically sound in what we were doing. So we gave them candy. We were involved in the community, kid, community and loving on these kids. But at the same time, we we're making sure they got truth All right, so in every fun pack, they got candy, a wristband, but they also got this little brochure, little pamphlet that was uh, on their level that gave the gospel. So that is what missions is all about. It's not just physical, it's physical and spiritual. Great example. I hope you would agree with me on this. Jesus is always the greatest example when we're looking at uh, life. All right, so Jesus in his ministry, when he was doing the mission. He would always assist people physically, but also spiritually. For instance, he would make it a point that he was healing the sick, and then he would feed those that were hungry. But at the same time, he would always point people back to the Father, his Heavenly Father. He didn't bypass that. That is what biblical missions is all about. And for some, they're like, okay, I still don't understand this in in its fullness. Uh, I feel like I'm missing the mark. Okay, let's look at Scripture, and then maybe you'll have a better understanding where we're going with this. I think Scripture defines it best with the Great Commission. Everybody with me? Within the Great Commission, Jesus explains to us what the mission is truly about. I'm going to reference Acts chapter 1, and verse 8. The Bible says this, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus said that the mission is local, it's global, and it's personal. So for them, when the Bible says, I need you to be a witness, a testimony, a missionary to Jerusalem, that was literally where they lived. That's the local mission, right? And then he was talking about Judea. That's outside of the city they lived in. And then it's, it went a step further. This one's touchy. Samaria. Nobody likes Samaria. Jews did not go to Samaria. They didn't mess with the Samaritan people. But Jesus said, no, that's part of the mission. You sometimes got to get out of your comfort zone. And that's part of it. And then it says to the uttermost parts of the world. So in a nutshell, Jesus is telling His disciples, His apostles, what we call the Great Commission just before He ascended into heaven. This is what you're to do. And through this, people are going to get saved, baptized, and join the church. And then they're going to follow my my commandments. They're going to become disciples. You follow me? That is missions. It's more than just giving people a hot meal. It's more than just helping people rebuild their house after a tornado. It's giving people truth but it's giving people the truth and love. So we do the physical and the spiritual and bring it together to fulfill the great commission. And so, and and, and I love this, there's no people groups excluded from this. Everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know. And so Jesus takes it a step further in his explanation of missions in uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. He said, preach the gospel to every person. Calls it every creature, every living human being. Tell everybody. Everybody needs to know. And he that believeth and is baptized and saved, they're going to be saved from the condemned, being condemned to hell, no longer will it exist. They'll be saved to have a home in heaven. But those that reject it, they're already condemned. They're condemned already. We can only present the truth and love. And if they reject the truth, there's nothing we can do. That's their decision. But go, do the work. Be a missionary. This is what it's all about. So I am so pumped up about our mission's emphasis here, there, and everywhere. That's what we're going to do. Let's go. I'm not saying some of you are going to leave this country to go to another country and start a mission work. But you can support that mission work overseas by simply giving. Can I, I? Let's do this. Let's take about 10 minutes. 10 minutes and let's look at God's word in John chapter 4. And I wanted to keep your attention. I don't want you to lose track of where I'm going. And I want to talk to you about this subject of missions. This is what I I, I want to do for the next few weeks. I want to cover it this way. Let's talk today about, uh, let's talk about the method of missions today. Then next week we'll talk about the message of missions. And then the means of missions. How do we accomplish it? How do we take care of these missionaries that are overseas because we can't be there to help them? How do we financially do that? And what's faith promise all about? So we'll talk about that. But today, let's just focus on this topic of the method of missions. And let's look at Jesus again. All right? Everybody focused? Everybody with me? I hope so. All right. So John chapter 4, here we go. Man, you guys need to loosen up. I need you to get this, because if you don't catch on to this, then you're not going to be passionate about it. I feel like I I don't want to be the only passionate about missions, and I know it stirs me, and I'm excited about what God's doing through Glory Reigns, but I'm really excited about introducing you to, uh, to our missionary next week, because you're going to be amazed by the work that's taking place in this area that is unreached. We'll get into that later, okay? John 4, you with me? And so here's what's happening in John chapter 4 and verse 3. It's Jesus, and he's with his disciples. I'm talking fast. Right? And Jesus said, we need to go from here, from Judea, to Galilee. All right? I'm going to talk fast, so I need you to follow me. And when we get there, there's a need. There's something that's going on that I need to take care of. And so in verse 4, he says, we must needs go through Samaria. What's the word? Samaria. Let's try that again. What's the word? Samaria. Jews didn't like Samaria. They always bypassed it. He said, but we got to go there. He didn't explain to his disciples. He said, this is just something we need to do. And so the Bible says, then he comes to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, a porcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. The interesting thing, before I get into this, because I'm going to give you, I'm going to do this this way. I'm going to give you three steps to fulfill the method of missions. It's the step one is to go, to give, and then to gather. Let's say it. Together, ready? It's to go, to give, and to gather. You know, when you ask somebody to repeat after you, you'll know right away if they're paying attention. So do it with me one more time. I know it's elementary, but let's go ahead. It's to go, to give, and to gather. Now, let's look back at this portion of Scripture. And the interesting thing about this Scripture is it brings out the first step, go. You know what the Bible says about missions, the word missions, and how, it, how many times it's mentioned in the Bible? Not one time. Did you know the word missionary is not found in the Bible either? For some, that's uh, discouraging. You know, I thought it was always there. It, it, no, it's not. It's never been there. See, it's the interesting thing about the word mission is the word mission, uh, depending on what version you're reading from, is actually translated from Latin, which means sent out. It's sent out. Jesus declared to his disciples that they're to go. Just like my father sent me, so I send you to go, to be sent out. And so from that, we come up with a concept of missions. Now, who did he say it to? He said it to the apostles. This is really cool. The word apostle, when translated, means one that sent on a mission. So they now are the missionary. Everybody with me? Yep. So what's the point of that? The point is, in order for us to accomplish step one, we have to go. But we can't go unless we see the need to go. So Jesus says to the disciples, I need to go to Samaria. There's a need and it's an urgent need. That's what we're going to do. Over and over and over again, we see in Scripture the word go. It's not a request. It's a command by God. Jesus emphasizes this command once in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Mark 16, 15, he says again, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. This is what we do. We go. He said, Dave, that is so simplistic. I know, isn't it? The first step to fulfilling the method of missions is to go. Here's the problem. Most of us just don't go. Because we don't see the urgency to go. So how do I go if I'm not going to go overseas and be a missionary? Going means you step out of your comfort zone and speak to those people that you're closest to about Jesus Christ and the gospel. It's inviting people to come to Thrive Church even though it's in the library right now. It's saying, you know what, we're doing something to change the way Dublin looks at life. We're giving them the gospel. It's presenting them with truth. We're going to where they're at. They're not going to come to you. It's very rare that they'll come to you. In order for us to fulfill the mission, we have to go to them. And so for the Jews, specifically these disciples that are with Jesus, they're thinking, why? Why are we going to go to Samaria? They're half-breeds. We never have any dealings with the Samaritans. Let's go around them. Let's bypass them. Why take the time to be around them? And Jesus says, because there's a need, and that's why we're going to do it. We're going to go. All right, here's the next step. Step two, give. Pretty easy so far, right? It's John chapter 4, verse 6. Jesus begins to explain what's taking place. But before that happens, Jacob's well is there. And Jesus was weary from his journey, and he sat on the well. Now, he's 100% man and 100% God, yet without sin. So he's tired. So he sits on the well, and he sends the disciples to the city, and I love this, to get some food. He said, you guys go get some groceries. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to rest a little while, and when you're done, come back. All right? But until you come back, I got some things to do. And he didn't explain what those things are. So the disciples leave. There's this woman randomly. Some of you know the story well, but I'm going to re emphasize it for you. Explain some details maybe you're not familiar with, okay? And for those that don't know the story, listen well, okay? Because I, I think it's going to help you like it's helped me. This woman shows up. We don't know her name, we just call her the Samaritan woman. She has these pots with her. And she's coming to the well specifically to get water. The well is just outside of the city in a smaller community. You have to walk a distance to get to the well. There's fields all around that well. And when she arrives, she notices Jesus. And Jesus Jesus immediately takes step two. And that's to give. And he starts off with this casual conversation. He asks her for a drink. And she's thinking, why would you ask me for a drink? I can, st- I can tell from your olive skin and the way you're dressed that you are a Jew. Now, she didn't say all that. She just knew right away this was not a Samaritan. And she says the Samaritans and the Jews, they have no dealings with each other, according to verse 9. He says, so she's like, why do, you, why do you want to talk to me? She already feels rejected, all right, because this woman is already part of a community that's rejected. They're Samaritans, but within the community, she's rejected, If you read a little bit further, you'll find out that this woman has been in a lot of relationships. She's had five husbands. She's living with a man at this time, and she's just got a horrible reputation to the point that she doesn't even feel comfortable going to the well when all the other ladies go to the well. So she goes, the Bible says right here, uh, around the sixth hour, which is like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, when it's really hot and nobody else wants to go because she just didn't want to deal with the people. You ever been like that? Where you have things in your life and nobody understands and you feel judged all the time so you just don't want to be around those people. That's where she was. So when she walks up to the well, she sees Jesus. She's thinking, why? Why? This is my time and you're here. And not only that, you're a Jew. Why? But it was all for a purpose. And that purpose is step two of the the mission. And that is to give. You see, the go is the mission, the giver is the missionary. And so Jesus steps up to be the giver at this point. So Jesus says to her in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would give thee this living water. Well, at this point, she's not really understanding everything that's being said. Jesus is very symbolic in everything he does. Y'all understand that, right? When you read a parable, you understand he's being symbolic. Right now, he's trying to emphasize to her, listen, you are a thirsty woman, and you are trying to satisfy your thirst in every shape, form, and fashion. That's why you've had five husbands. That's why you're living with a man, and it is not satisfying you. But I have something for you that's going to change your life. Now, he wasn't too blunt about it just yet, but he's setting the groundwork to give her There it is, to give her truth. And so this is what she starts to do. She starts to question, none of this makes any sense, you know? So in verse 11, the woman says to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. The well's deep. Where where, is this water, this living water? And of course, we know the living water represents this peace that people get when they accept Christ, that believe at this time in the Messiah, which is Jesus. She's saying it doesn't make any sense. There are so many people that, Christianity doesn't make any sense to them. They have questions and they, they're trying to figure things out and they're empty and they're thirsty, but they just don't know where to get the answer. And, and, the, and the devil is always, always trying to give them the right answer. Always, and by the way, always putting things in question. Because if he could get you to question with confusion, then he's got control of the situation. Y'all follow me? And so there's not just question, but there's a lot of confusion going on here. And so she's asking, where is this water? What, what, are you greater than the guy that made the well? I mean, come on. Do you have something to offer me that, that is better than this water that I'm getting from this well? People like tangible things. That's why people get all messed up when it comes to baptism and speaking in tongues and church membership. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I've been baptized. I'm good. I'm all right because I maintain good works. I'm I'm doing just fine because I am a member at this church. It's something tangible. It makes them feel good. But it's not reality. And so this woman's questioning things. She's confused. And then she gets real religious through this conversation. And that's what happens often, I think, when we're on a mission to give people truth. People get so confused and they're seeking answers, but they're so wrapped up in their religion, they can't focus on truth. Because religion sometimes can blind us. And so let me me read this to you. Jesus answered and said to to her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I will give shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will be in him a well springing up into everlasting life. Again, the woman confused says, "I, I, I would like this water. Give me this water so I'm never going to thirst again, and I don't have to come back to this well. That sounds amazing to me. Of course, that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus saying that you could go home with the water I'm going to give you, and you're going to be satisfied not to maintain that relationship with that guy. I can give you something that's going to last forever. And let me pause here for just a minute, okay? There, there's a very good possibility that there's somebody in this room right now that you're struggling because you're empty inside. Maybe you can relate to this woman at the well. Because you're thinking, man, I have tried everything. Finances, sex, maybe drugs, I don't know. Alcohol, I am so thirsty to get this fulfillment and he just can't find it. Y'all with me? That's where this woman was. And Jesus is like, man, I got it. I want to give it to you. It's a gift. He actually called it a gift. And we know it's a gift. It's a free gift. It's a beautiful gift. So she gets religious in verse 16 and she says, um, Jesus confronts her before then and says, Listen, I want you to go call your husband. Bring him out here. And she said, I don't have no husband. He said, I know. <laughs> You've had five and the one you're with is not your husband. She goes, Oh, I perceive you're a prophet. You are a religious man. And so from there she gets in this topic of church. Isn't that frustrating when you're just trying to help people and they feel like they need to discuss church? They feel like they need to transition the conversation and show and prove to you I'm a religious person when you're trying to give them truth. This woman says, Listen, you guys say in Jerusalem's where to worship? We worship in this mountain. It's the Mount Zion. In this mountain where we worship, we created our own temple. And we know what we're to worship. At least we believe we know. Jesus says, No, you don't. See, when you worship, you worship in spirit and in truth. And then Jesus pulls her back to give her the most precious thing that we offer through missions truth. Don't miss this. Truth is something that's missing across the world, because what's happened is through questions and confusion and religion, Satan has twisted the minds of people to think that they have their own truth. See, there's only one truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way. See, the foundation to life is the truth of Jesus Christ, that's why we believe in the sanctity of life, because we find that truth in God's Word. That's why we believe marriage is between a man and a woman, because we find that truth in God's Word. That's why we believe in a biblical worldview, because we find that truth in God's Word. We take God's Word literally, not figuratively. From Genesis 1-1 to Revelations 22-21, we understand God's Word, even though at times it can be poetic and symbolic, to be literal. And because of that, we put our full faith in God's word for truth. And because of that, we are able to run our families, run our homes, same thing, run our our, our jobs and our opportunities, all centered around that truth. So Jesus submits truth to her and says, one day it doesn't matter where you worship. It's not going to matter because there is going to be a stop to this religious format In in this formatal formatical process of bringing sheep to be sacrificed, because he's speaking of the coming of the Messiah, and he draws her to this reality that he is the one that's bringing this final uh, 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 peace to the people. So there's no format to religion. Is everybody with me? So this is what she says. She says, "The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah." She's already understood what he just said. He clarified that you need to focus on truth. Don't worry about religion. Don't worry about your church versus my church. You need to know truth. And she says, I know the Messiah is going to come. He'll be the Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus says, I that speak unto you am he. And at that moment she realized, wait, you are. Because you've already told me everything about my life. You know the deepest, darkest secrets. So he goes from step one to go. To step two, to give. And then after he gives, the last step, he gathers. Now, watch as we close this out, because this is important for all of us. The Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 31, uh, just before that, let's back up in verse 29. She left her water parts, wa- water pots in verse 28, and she went to the city. Have you ever had something so exciting in your life that you lost track of what you were doing? Maybe you just got that text message about how much you're going to get back in taxes or maybe you just got approved for that house. I don't know. And you got so excited you lost track of what you're doing or maybe even your kids, where they are. And you find yourself in this mode where you're like, this is amazing. This is exactly where she's at. Her life just flipped upside down and she had so much clarity at this moment. So much fulfillment. And the Bible says in verse 28, she left her water pots because of her excitement and went back to the city, specifically to the men that she could relate to, the ones she was involved with, and told them about the man that told her everything that she's ever done. And she said, come see this man. So we see in step three, the gather. Jesus begins to speak to the disciples and they come back, all right? They just get back from the city. They have their groceries, whatever food they got. I don't know if they got McDonald's in Samaria, whatever they had available at the marketplace. They racked up on it. And Jesus is standing there with this excitement, I'm sure, because he just, he just went to the location of the need and he gave her what she needed. She's going to the city and he knows exactly what's about to happen next. Now watch. They said, Jesus, are you hungry? And he's like, no, I, I have food that you know not of. And they said, you got food? We don't. What? Did he get food while we were gone? Did the woman bring him food? We, it's already weird that he was talking to a Samaritan woman. Where did he get the food? And Jesus takes it a step further and says, listen to me. The food that I'm speaking of, the meat that I'm eating of, the appetite I have is to do the will of my father. And the will of my father is the mission because he sent me. I'm to go, I'm to give, and I'm going to gather more people to learn more about me so they can do the same thing. And they still didn't quite understand because Jesus is being somewhat symbolic. And Jesus does something that sticks with me. He says this. He said, I want you to turn. And he looks and he looks out at this field and there's nothing in the field. And he says, you know, you know the saying, you know what's been said. And four months will gather the harvest. But I say unto you, now is time. To gather the harvest. Now I'm paraphrasing, but here's the interesting thing. I believe that it was around December or January when Jesus made this statement and had this encounter with the Samaritan woman. Because he says, four months from now we're gonna gather the harvest. But I'm saying to you right now, he's symbolically talking about people that need Jesus Christ. Now is the time. The harvest is white, it's ready. And I know, according to Scripture, the timing had to be just right because the Bible says that while he was speaking to his disciples, the people from the city started to come to meet Jesus. They wanted to know about him, what he had to offer. And as they were coming, I believe at that moment, now this is just what I believe, I believe at that moment Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, look, in other words, put your food down and look. The fields are now white under harvest because he could see maybe the white head garments of the people as they started coming his way because the Bible speaks of hundreds of people that went out to meet Jesus. Now is the time. The harvest is truly plenteous. Now is the time. But the problem is this. As we read in the book of Matthew, the laborers are few. It's ready. The method is easy. We, we go, we give, The truth the gospel and then we gather that means after people give their life to Jesus Christ we they're added to the church and we build the church now the reason this becomes a problem is because the laborers are few I used to uh, look at this I said I'll be done in 10 minutes it's been 15 (laughs) you guys some of you are like I've been watching yes I have (laughs) stay with me we'll close out with this thought so you think when I was in Alabama we'd bail hay And when it was time to bale hay, we'd gather all the hay, bale it, and it'd sit in the field. If we waited too long, then the hay would be worthless. Because it'd get moisture in it, it'd get mildew, it'd it'd get moldy. So we'd have to immediately bale that hay and pick the hay up. I feel like what's happened within the church is we see that it's ready. But we're just too lazy to do it. You ever had your mom say to you, that garbage is not going to take itself out. It's not going to do it. You're going to have to do it. The lawn's not going to mow itself. You're going to have to do it. I feel like Jesus is trying to say to us hey, the harvest is not going to be picked and picked up and, 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 and taken from their position into the position of the church in, in salvation unless we go and labor. It takes work, it takes effort, it takes time. Are you all with me? Yes, sir. So here's the call the call is this We have a mission because whether you think so or not, you are a missionary if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. And the method to missions is to go, and not just to go, to give, to give the truth, and then to gather. Because as people accept Jesus Christ and they start joining the church, we start discipling them and helping them. And I love that with this woman, she repeated everything Jesus did. See, in verse 26, the Bible says she went. She left her water pots and went to the city and said to the men, which was the second thing, She gives. Come see a man that told me all things. Is this not the Christ? Let me tell you what he did for me. Is this not the Christ? And then the Bible says, She gathered. Watch. And so many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him and the, uh, on, her, on him because of the sayings of the woman. Many accepted. This is the gathering of the crop. If you back up a little bit, the Bible makes it clear in the writings of Jesus, or excuse me, the words of Jesus, that this is the fruit of our labor. Some sow, And some reap, but we all gather. The whole point of gathering. You may get discouraged because you're telling people about Jesus Christ and you're just not seeing people come to know Him. But somebody, because of your efforts, is going to see the results of your labor. And we just got to stick with it and stay consistent. I want to do something a little different. I want you to bow your head as we close this out. And just for a moment, I'm going to have... Victor, just play a little bit on his guitar. We're not going to sing to close this out. I just want to challenge you in your seat to do three things. First thing I want to ask you is Are you fulfilling the method of missions? Are you going? Are you giving? Are you gathering? Are you just existing?